Welcome to the Nino's Corner Podcast. This is beautiful. What is that, Velvet? Hosted by Nick, Nino's Corner Battle. Damn right. Nino's Corner. It's not just a website. It's not just a podcast. It's a brand and a movement. Go to ninoscorner.com, N-I-N-O-S corner.com to get the latest products from Nino. Go to the book section to find Nino's three number one best-selling books, Can You Love Me? A Memoir, A Tribute, Battles Blueprint, Five Self-Battles to Defeat for Success, and My Wonderful Life and Adoption Story. If you need merchandise, we had that for you too. Our custom Do You Signature Series shirts and other apparel were sure to please. Again, visit www.ninoscorner.com, N-I-N-O-S corner.com for more information. What's up, peeps? Nick Battle, a.k.a. Nino's Corner, man. First off, guys. If you like what you're listening to, give me a five-star review, five-star comment, the likes, the whole nine on all of your streaming platforms. I'm here, Nino's Corner Podcast, man. I just got a trademark, man. So Nino's Corner is a trademark. So it's going to be a big TM by the Nino's Corner. But, man, appreciate you guys for listening. But today, guys, we're going to talk about Texas versus Iowa State. And I'm not going to really get into the analytics of this game, guys, because I think we all know what's going to happen, um, you know, post this game. Um I think we understand that uh, we're going to have a new coach next next season. And we'll get to that in the second part of this episode on who the coach might be. Uh, but Tom Herman pretty much sealed his fate at Texas. Um, you can tell from that Monday press conference that he knows he's done. They asked him plenty of questions. Have you talked to CDC, you know, which is Chris Del Conte, who is the AD for Texas? And he said he's talked to him numerous times or a couple of times over the weekend. And in those conversations, they talked about beating Kansas State. So what does that tell you? It doesn't tell you that he got the confidence that uh, he needed, the backing that he needed from Chris Del Conte to basically say, you're going to be our coach next year. Um, Tom Herman knew. He knew that he had to win out, go to a Big 12 championship game, and possibly win the game just to keep his job this year. This team has underperformed. It's underperformed severely over the last, uh, what, two years? And his first year also, but we'll give him credit for the first year. It's a transition year, but that second year he wins 10 games. You know, you know, um, I'll bite it's the 10 games plus the bowl game. So he ends up going, what is it, 10 and four that year. He beats George in the game in the Sugar Bowl, which is an amazing win. And, and I thought the program was was set for greater heights. The next year he ends up going eight and five, which is not what Texas fans signed up for. When you have a coach in 75 in the regular season, eight and five in the with the bowl game this year, it looks like Texas is what are they five and three now? We're five and three, so it looks like we had a potential to go seven and three. Um, which when you look, oh, it's not that bad, but guess what? Seven and three is going to get him fired here because this was a year, this was a down year in the Big 12. You have a senior quarterback who's coming back, fourth year starter, um, and Sam Ellinger, uh, who should probably be the best quarterback in the conference if the coaching was there if the players were developed the way that they're supposed to be developed. However, uh, this team has been stagnant. They've been making the same mistakes for four years. It's just things that, as a fan, as a fan, you if I can call the mistake that's about to happen, there is a problem. If I can call it from my seat, 
pretty sure the coach on the opposing sideline can call the same play or the same mistake that's about to happen. And we had that happen too many times here at the University of Texas. And I'm a proud graduate guy, so I feel a little emotional when I talk about this stuff, you know. <laughs> but um, in saying that, guys, I will talk a little bit about the analytics. If I'm not mistaken, guys, uh, you know, Iowa State, you know, they had a an, an NCN for their offense. So I think those corner number, number, you know, for their offense. So NCN offense of like, uh, was it 56 or something like that? The NCAA average, guys, is 40. Um, I think Texas had a 44. So both teams were above average. Iowa State was just the better team that that day when it came to the offense side of the ball, especially when it mattered. Okay, the Texas defense didn't play poorly at all. Uh, but their NCN defense was just above 30 points, like 31 points. The NCAA average is 45 for a defense side, you know, um, of the ball. Iowa State's, I think, was around 48, 49, somewhere around there. But I don't care about the analytics of this game right now. This game basically sealed the fate for Tom Herman that he won't be back here next year. We saw it up and down on that Monday press conference. That's another reason why this podcast is a little bit late because I wanted to hear that press conference, guys. I wanted to hear it. I also had family in for the holidays, so I had to be a good host, right? But um, it was just a, a, a horrible weekend to see. The same mistakes have been had, the same mistakes have been made throughout this whole season. And let me go ahead and list them for you. Sam was good when he when he needed to be in the first and second and third quarters. Um, usually Sam pulls it out in the fourth quarter. He's usually like money in the fourth quarter, but he's just so inconsistent. It's been like this for the last three or four games. I don't know if he's injured or what, if the play calling is not there, but Sam has to be great for this team to win. He was not great. Um, he was not great, especially in the second half. Kate um, Brewer, that fake punt that was a pass to Kate Brewer, like what were they doing that for? Was it just to give him some shine because it was senior day? I have no idea, but Kay Brewer should not be the starting tight end. Starting tight end should be Jared Wiley, and I think we all know that. Jared Wiley, big, tall, rangy tight end, played quarterback at Temple High School down in Central Texas, comes down to Texas, and they move him to tight end. He needs to be the starting tight end. Way more productive, way more efficient and effective when it comes to catching the ball. So I'm going to actually do a segment on the NCN number for the running backs and the wide receivers um, probably next week. And you guys will be very surprised at who rose to the top. Uh, but talking about wide receivers that rise to the top, we have not, as 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 Texas, we have not replaced the production of Devin DuVernay. We, and, and I thought that was going to be something that could have been done with with pieces, right? And I thought that maybe Jake Smith, maybe Jordan Whittington could step in and not just one person feel the void of Devin DuVernay because Devin DuVernay primarily had the second or third best receiving season of anybody in this school's illustrious history. Now, what I did think was is Jordan Whittington, Jake Smith could fill in that gap. Maybe they both get around 500 yards receiving a piece, four or five touchdowns apiece, so you got your 1,000 yards there from the slot position. Um, Maybe that happens still, but who knows, but it hasn't been as productive as it should be. Um, What I did uh, like from the the previous game was Brennan Eagles. He had a game, like probably his best game ever in a Texas uniform, and I don't understand why Texas did not do this more often with him throughout his whole career. Brennan Eagles had the potential to be – and I'm not kidding, guys. I know people are going to look at me funny when I say this, but 
he had Roy Williams capability when it comes to catching the ball. He can make all the spectacular catches, the one-handed catches. If he's covered, just throw it to him. He's going to go get it. But Texas never utilized that. And maybe it, it it might be something with Brendan Eagles. It might be something with the play calling that was that was being done, you know, um, at Texas through these three years of, uh, you know, of his career at Texas. Now, um, what I do want to talk about is Tom Herman, right? So sad because I wanted to see him do well. You know, he's a Texas ex. You know, he'll, I think he got his grad degree from Texas. Um, you know, um, you know, we, nobody wants to see their coach do bad, right? Everybody wants to see their team do well. And for teams to do well, it means your coach has to do well, right? No matter what you think about the person. Uh, but one thing that rubbed me the wrong way with Tom Herman, he hired all his homeboys from Houston to come coach at Texas. Now, nothing against Houston. Different monster coming to Texas. You can't be a coach at Texas. You need to be a CEO. So that means you need to hire the right offensive coordinators, position coaches, the whole nine. They has to be set in stone perfect first day when you get in. That was something that Mac Brown was able to do masterfully um, between all the hires that he had. And you see these guys go off and get head coaching jobs at different places and and and, and other high-profile um, you know, coordinated positions at at different places once they left Texas. You know, you had your Manny Diaz's, you had um, your Will Muschamps, your Greg Davis's. You had great coordinators that did great things at Texas. And Mac basically was the CEO of this team because you got to deal with the boosters. You got to deal with all the press conferences. It's a different animal here. And I don't know if Tom really realized what he was stepping into. He had to. He was a grad assistant here underneath Mac Brown. And it like Mac Brown gave him the best endorsement ever. He came to to the um to the hiring, you know, so he was in the building when 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 Tom accepted the job. And you know, I thought honestly, as a Texas fan, I thought we were gonna get our coach for the next 20 years. He's a young guy. I thought he was gonna coach well. The first season happens. Right. We see a bunch of mistakes, but we're thinking this is a very undisciplined team um, just from the previous tenure. And I love Charlie Strong. I thought it was a great guy. I just didn't think it was a good coach here in Texas. Um, so that happens. First year happens. They go seven and six. They do win a bowl game, something that we haven't won since Mac left. Very happy about that. Right. The next thing that happens next season, we go 10 and four, 10 and five. Yeah, I'm sorry. 10 and four. And I'm like, oh, man, this is amazing. We went 10 and four. Which just sounds so freaking horrible for a Texas fan to say that we went 10 and four and it's amazing. Because when I went to school, a 10 win season was like, oh, we sucked. But, <laughs> man, how times have changed. But we, we go 10 and four. We beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Um, great win. Um, pretty good season. Just, just all things considered, especially what happened over the past decade. All right. The next season. We go eight and five, and that's with the bowl game. We go seventy five in the regular season, um, eight and five uh, with the bowl game. Beat a ranked Utah team, um, which was a great win for us. So it's like we're we're beating great teams in these bowl games because Tom has time to prepare. But the team is still make, making the same mistakes each year and each out. You know, each year. Um, first of all, Tom Herman couldn't get the offensive coordinator position straight, so we had three years of Tim Beck. Not going to get it done. Um, he had his homeboy as the as the defensive coordinator. Todd, Todd Orlando had a great first season, but once the Big 12 finally figured out what he was doing, they ate him apart. He had one of the worst defensive uh, seasons of any 
any defensive coordinator in Texas history his last year. But what Tom Herman essentially did was hire the wrong people at, um, at first and was not willing to let them go after the first year. So what did that do, guys? That stunted the progression, the growth, the maturation process of all these players for three years. Count them, three years. It stunted their growth for three years. So if a player signed on to play with Tom Herman his first year, I mean, yeah, Tom Herman's first year coaching, or a guy who redshirted his his first year when Charlie Strong was here and was a, uh, a redshirt freshman Herman's first year, that means that the guy who signed with Herman three years, 75% of his career has been uh, uh, a career with inadequate coaching, um, inadequate uh, player player progression, um, uh, not making players better. You had 75% of your career was that. You have basically stunted this guy's growth when it comes to uh, actually uh, being an, 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 an NFL prospect. And what does this say about this guy? Because we had guys that should have gotten drafted if they were in a better scheme, if they were coached right, if they were, um, uh, 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 you know, coached and, and, and lifted right and were in the right program to highlight their skill set in the right schemes. We have a bunch of guys that go undrafted that make rosters. Why is that? Because we're not developing players. So we have all this hidden talent at Texas because the players aren't being developed. And that was 75% of a kid's career who signed on with Tom Herman when he first got to Texas. If he signed on the dotted line when Herman was the his first year as a coach, 75% of that kid's career has not been developed properly. It's crazy, right? So that's why you got a guy like Malcolm Roach who can go to the, to the Saints and be a starter, undrafted, went to Texas, undrafted, played in the wrong position, right? They had him playing middle linebacker. He's a defensive tackle, guys, or a defensive end. And, you know, like he, he can play all over the, the line where there's a defensive end, defensive tackle. But we had him playing middle linebacker at Maryland, guys. I was there. I was at the game in D.C. at FedEx Field. We had M- Malcolm Roach playing middle linebacker. Think about that for a minute. Had him all out of place. He goes to the Saints. He's an undrafted free agent for the Saints, and he started started some games for the Saints in the regular season. Think about that for a minute. Puna Ford, big Puna Ford, talking about a really good player. His 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 growth was stunning since Charlie was there, and then he had a I think his last year was with uh, Herman. But this guy not being developed the way he should have been, but goes in from pro football focus, if, if not mistaken, during Puna Ford's rookie year. He was an undrafted free agent with uh, Seattle. So uh, I think pro football focus had him as like the number one rookie defensive lineman for like three or four weeks, like straight. It's undeveloped talent. Undeveloped talent. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Holden Hill wasn't drafted. Hey, there's some other issues with that, but uh, but still. Goes on and does great things. Chris Boyd, seventh-round pick, sixth-round pick. He's not a sixth-round, seventh-round talent. He's starting for the Minnesota Vikings right now at defensive back, at cornerback. You know, undeveloped talent. And that's been the story of Texas. Little Jordan Humphrey uh, goes for the draft a year earlier than expected, doesn't get drafted, makes a roster. 
undeveloped talent. That's what Tom Herman has been doing because of the wrong roster moves initially. Now, he tried to correct things. He tried to correct things. He tried to do right by Texas. Um, He fires pretty much 70% of his staff, right? Seven out of 10 of his coordinators get fired, and he brings in a Chris Ash on the defense side of the ball, who has been a savior. If Chris Ash wasn't on this team this year and we had Todd Orlando, we would be getting blown out, hands down. Thank God for Chris Ash. Um, Tim Beck was not the right hire. He brings in Mike Yurchick. Uh, he's the offensive coordinator for Ohio State. He was the OC for Oklahoma State prior to that for a few years. I don't even know if he's the right hire. Um, but the defense side of the ball has been great. But he overhauled so much of his offense. And, you know, when you have to start overhauling a majority of your offense, it lets you know that you've done something wrong. But what Tom Herman has done in these four years he's been here, which is coming to an end, and I think we all know that, is that he has not developed his players as as um, as need be. Um, he's made the right the I'm sorry the wrong hires, and uh, was too stubborn to realize that and make those changes immediately. And what else has Tom Herman done? Um, I didn't like some of his antics in, in the Missouri game, the the Drew Lock thing. That was come on, man. You're the head coach of Texas. We don't do that. You know, a, a little class, a little class goes a long way. You know, I'm used to Mac. You know, I, I don't think I would ever see Dabble Sweeney doing it on the sidelines. I don't think I would ever see a, a Nick Saban doing it on the sidelines. I don't think I would ever see, um, you know, uh, an Urban Mike. Whoa, whoa. Okay, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that on the other end. But I don't think you would see some of these top tier coaches. Hell, you wouldn't see Jimbo Fisher doing it on the sidelines. But what we did see was Tom Herman mocking a college kid. Hmm. Mocking a college kid who does his little dance, he does his thing, and you're mocking him during your first year at head coach. I thought that was horrible. Uh, you know, a couple of the instances, uh, you know, flipping the, you know, like basically giving the bird to the um, to the cameras on the on the signing day last year. I know it's supposed to be a joke, but hey, when you're the coach, all eyes are on you. When you're a leader, all eyes are on you. You should know that. You know, there's a bunch of things that uh, he just didn't do right, and um, you know. As much as I want to see him succeed, because I want to see my team succeed, I want to see Texas succeed. You know, it, it's 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 time for a parting of ways. But guys, let's go to the other side, and we're going to talk about the potential coaching candidates and who we think might be some good hires. All right. All right, guys, and we're back, and we are going to talk about some potential candidates that are that could feel uh, Tom Herman's position once once he is let go at, at the end of the season. And it should be coming pretty quick. So I'm thinking, guys, there are three individuals that I think we're, we're all kind of kind of thinking um, could get this job. Now, the number one guy, and I think everybody knows who the number one guy is, it looks like the UT brass is all behind Urban Meyer. Yeah, I think it would be an, an amazing hire if you, if you just want to win. You know, everybody talks about the baggage that comes with Urban Meyer. Look, there's baggage for everybody. I understand it's college football. Uh, it is what it is. We all know the conference that he came from two conferences ago. They played by a different set of rules. It is what it is. He had his that once he left that issue because of his health, goes to Ohio State, um, uh, leaves after eight years, wins a championship, you know, so leaves after eight years, the whole Zach Smith allegations and things about him handling that. And then he leaves because of health again, um, you know, so – he did six years at Florida, um, 
eight years at Ohio State, two years at Bowling Green, first off, and then two years at Utah, and then, yeah, the six years at Florida, uh, two-year break, and then eight years at Ohio State, and now he's been on TV, you know, doing the commentating thing on Fox, and he's really good at that. He he is really good. He brings a whole other perspective to the game, and, and then, like, I like to see him do his thing, but I would love to see him in Texas gear, coaching Texas next year, probably. That would be great. Um Urban Meyer would be a, a perfect fit uh, just due to the fact that you have a blue blood program that wants to win and everywhere Urban Meyer goes, he wins. Um, it, it doesn't take him long to win championships. I mean, you think about it at Utah, I think he lost two games in, in two years um, at Florida. He won two championships in six years uh, Ohio state. The first year he gets the team, they go undefeated. They weren't eligible for a bowl, but they will, but they go 12 and 0 his first year there. They won a championship within his first three years, if I'm not mistaken, or his first four years. That that masterful team that he had with Cardell Jones, um, JT Barrett, uh, Braxton Miller, Zeke, the hell of an offensive line they had and all those defensive studs that they had in those teams. And he won a championship. And so he leaves because of his health issue. If I'm not mistaken, he has like a cyst on his on his brain. Um, and it's not life-threatening for him to understand, but it makes him have these massive headaches, right? And, uh, you know, he's an all-in coach. You can tell he's very intense. Um, just for the simple fact, you can you can just tell. You know, Urban's like, you can tell he's one of those intense guys. I think he'd be a perfect fit at Texas because, for one thing, he can recruit his butt off. When he was at Ohio State, he stole all the talent from Texas to go to Ohio State. Uh, this way he can come to Texas and not have to worry about stealing talent. All the talents here, he'll be a, a rock star down here. He'll do something. You know, it's, it's, it's different than how Mac would uh, recruit. Um, I met Mac Brown a few times. I was a football player's RA in college at Texas. And he's just the nicest guy. He'll give you the sharpest back. And you feel like you're at home when you're talking to Mac. You feel like this guy really cares about you. And he does. You can tell Mac loves his players. And he he just made you feel at home. Uh, there have been numerous stories that some of my friends who were actually recruited by Mac would tell me about how he handled their recruitment and they just couldn't say no to him because he was that much of a great guy, uh, a man, a God-fearing man. People loved him. Parents loved him. Um, he made sure mama knew that the baby was was taken care of. And that's what Mac did. Urban Myers is different. He's cut from a different cloth. I think he's going to be likable because he is on TV, but he's a different cloth. He is, when I'm talking about a CEO, he delegates some things down, but he has all control. And uh, you're going to see immediate results because he holds players accountable. Um, and that's one thing that I think we've been missing at Texas is players not being held accountable for things. That's why you're seeing the same mistakes happening over the past seven years between uh, Coach Strong in the first three years of that seven-year stand and Tom Herman in the in the last four years. You're seeing the same mistakes, mistackling, which it's it's gone down because Chris Ash is on board, uh, but just the dumb mistakes, um, the play calling on the offense side of the ball, which Herman is an offensive guru. He's a Mensa, right? So. Uh, we haven't had those um, those those same standardized success plays. It's all been a bunch of uh, uh, stuff that you can pretty much telegraph and know what's going to happen. But Urban Meyer would be the guy that can come and clean all it up in a heartbeat. Texas will win it. Texas will be in the playoffs in two years. I, I would pretty much guarantee you that he's that good of a coach. Uh, Texas would win a Big 12 championship in two years. Um pretty sure about that that's how good of a coach he is the next names that have been floated guys uh mark cristobal from oregon um 
hell of a recruiter, rainmaker in the recruiting, which is what you need at Texas. You got to get the talent there. And he's a good coach. I mean, just look what he's done at Oregon. He's done some great things at Oregon. He has brought that team from, I think they won two games a few years ago. And he's been at Oregon for two, two, three years now. And he has basically had uh, top five, top eight classes in recruiting um, per the, uh, what's it, 24-7, you know, their uh, composite rankings. Um, and I know he, he's getting like a lot of those guys from his backyard in California, but he's getting those guys from California to come to Oregon and play. You know, that's I don't care what anybody says. It's still not the easiest thing to get a Southern California kid to come to Oregon to play or, you know, to get a kid who is used to that California life to go to Oregon. You know, I think if the guy comes to Texas, if he can get Texas talent to stay here, especially on the offensive line, which he's been recruiting amazingly on the offensive line, that's what Texas needs. Offensive lineman, um, I think he'll he'll be a great fit here. Uh, but I think you got him and then you got a guy like Matt Campbell from Iowa State who I think is an awesome, amazing coach. He'd be an amazing fit also. But how does he fit in here? Um, I love this statement after the win against Texas. He said, we don't have five-star players, but we have a five-star culture. And he said that, and his players echo the same thing. So you know that that's what they're being taught. You want that culture set in, that it is a five-star culture. And if you can come to a team like Texas and start getting four- and five-star talent on the regular, it's imagined. But my only fear with those two guys is that they are, I would say, proven on the Power Five side. They've both coached at Power Five places, and they have done great things. Uh, Chris Bull's done great things to the Oregon. We've seen what he's done over the past two or three years. Matt Campbell has beat the big dogs in the conference uh, quite often, but he'll lose some games that he's not supposed to lose, like against Louisiana. But he'll beat Ohio. I mean, I'm sorry. He'll beat OU. He'll beat Texas. Uh, he'll clobber Kansas State, but he'll lose to Louisiana Lafayette or Louisiana Monroe, which one? I, th- I think it was Lafayette. But anyways, if you're losing to a, a directional school, that's not good as a Power 5 coach. So that scares me about him is can he get his teams up, which we know he can get his teams up for the big games, but can he keep them consistent, consistent enough to keep that same energy 24-7? So that's my fear with Matt Campbell. I think we all know, though, the slam dunk is Urban Meyer. That's what Texas fans want. There have been a lot of numbers floated around five years, $60 million, so $12 million a year over five years. I've also seen a figure 10 years, $100 million. And those are some life-changing numbers, guys. Those are some numbers that uh, you have to think twice um, if you don't want to come back. But one thing about Urban Meyer that I think we all know that he's going to come back and coach eventually. And I think it is going to be a Texas guys, not because I know anything. I'm just, this is just a hunch for me. Guys who leave the game when they're on top, guys who leave the game when they're on top, always come back. Look at Jordan. Jordan retired after six championships. Couldn't stay back. He had to come back and play. He wasn't that good when he came back and played, but he had to come back and play. It's hard to leave the game on top. Very few leave on top and never come back. It's hard. George Foreman left boxing on top. Even though he got beat by Muhammad Ali, he was still one of the most feared guys in boxing. He left, but he came back. Because it's something in you that says, I know I can still do it. I know I can still do it. Urban knows he can do it. And I think he's licking his chops right now, looking at the Big 12 and saying, I can run through this conference. I can get all this Texas talent. 
You know, I was still in Texas talent, having JT Barry come up there, having J.K. Dobbins, um, Baron Brown, and Jeff Akut. I mean, this man had Texas talent all on his roster. And now he 